Hi, my name's Diana Trepkoff, and I'd like to welcome you to my new podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? I'm a forensic artist who's completed hundreds of law enforcement cold cases, and I can tell you firsthand the pain and suffering I have witnessed on families of missing loved ones. I can see the pain on their face, I can hear the pain in their voice, and I feel it in my heart. My dream is that all missing persons will be found and there will never be another missing person ever again. That's what I pray for. That's what I hope for. And that is my dream. So please welcome my new podcast, Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? And one by one, let's bring these missing loved ones home. Thank you. podcast, Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? Today we have a special guest on. His name is Dave Clark and his daughter went missing. She was last seen January 11th, 2020 at 4 p.m. in Hamilton and her name is Holly Ellsworth Clark. So thank you so much Dave for being on my podcast and I want to say I'm so sorry your daughter is missing. Well thank you for having me. We're, uh, we're really trying to do everything we can to find her and this I hope is going to help uh, all the attention we get uh, helps as much as possible. So that's great. Great, thank you. Um, I guess let's start off with who was who is Holly? What are her passions? What was she like growing up? Well, she's a, she was a very energetic person, uh, very very outgoing, very imaginative. She um, uh, we're a family of pretty creative people, but mainly kind of introverted and. Uh, and uh, she, uh, she kind of seemed like a changeling in the family and being very extroverted and being very uh, goal and completion oriented. She, she started things and she finished them uh, sort of no matter what uh, stood in her way. Oh, nice. And, uh, so she, uh, she had a lot of accomplishments in, you know, in the time that we knew her. And uh, it was, we all kind of, enjoyed having her in the family. She was, uh, she was, uh, and hopefully is a, a great, um, uh, inspiration and source of sort of source of entertainment for everybody in the family. That's nice. That's nice. Um, what were her hobbies? Um, uh, well, she was, she tended to be very devoted to whatever it was she was doing and to do it intensely. So she was a, a wrestler for a long time. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's neat. She, she uh, uh, reached the Olympic level, I think, in her, in terms of her ability and whatnot, but uh, uh, decided that uh, she didn't want to uh, cut the weight necessary to make the top women's weight class. Uh, probably the only the only people who could beat her uh, were in, in Canada. And that's also pretty much the world when it comes to the top weights in women's wrestling uh, were the Olympic champion, Erica mm -hmm. Weep, and uh, the, the other girl who contended for that uh, top spot in Can Canada. And what year was that? That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, well, the years were probably between... Uh, 2005 and uh, 
I mean, 1995, and uh, she wrestled in 1995. No, I'm sorry, 2005. Yeah, and and yeah. I'm getting confused about our move there. She would have been like yeah, three. <laughs> <laughs> so how old is she? Sorry, go on. Would have been closer to. I can't remember when she started, but she wrestled for a long time and and probably wrapped it up in 2014. Nice, nice. And um, what else does she like to do? Just so people like listening when this comes out, they can get a feel for her. I'm missing time. I'm, I'm missing dates here. She probably wrapped it up in 2017. Okay, Interesting nice. wrestling. I yeah. can't get. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, no. And what else did she like to do? No, that's great. That's great that she was doing that. She was uh, she was an artist. She did a lot of uh, visual um, visual work. She she uh, was a photographer. She liked to take photographs of graffiti. Which drives Elle here crazy because Elle gets her buildings uh, done with graffiti, and Holly loved to take pictures of graffiti. <laughs> and and uh, she had she had at one point a website where she had thousands of photos posted. Very nice. Um, she um, uh, became a musician and had uh, written, I don't know, 50 or 60 or more songs. It was uh, quite, quite incredible the, the speed with which she changed over from being a wrestler to being a musician. She was also coaching uh, wrestling uh, and uh, and uh, learning jujitsu. Oh, so, wow. So very motivated. That's nice. Mm -hmm. What kind of musician? Did she play an instrument? Did she sing? She played a really mean electric guitar. And, oh, wow. And she sang. Nice. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, her songs are sort of really guitar-driven. Uh, and uh, she had a band that was, uh, I think, toward the toward the end, she had a band that was uh, pr producing very good music. I think. Nice. Is was it rock and roll, heavy metal? Uh, yeah, it was uh, toward the rock end of things. I think not heavy metal. No, uh, but uh, if you. Her, her songs were very original and imaginative. So the sound is not exactly the same, but if you think of um, um, uh, uh, Canadian sort of indie rock stuff uh, in that genre. Nice. Uh, like the, uh, what's the name of the group where the guy just died of brain cancer? Tragic. Uh, Tra well, tragically, 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 tragically nice. that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. nice. very imaginative um, use of words and, and phrasing, sort of referencing a lot of hip hop stuff in terms of the the the, the, the use of her words and whatnot, but um, not uh, not really musically in that genre, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Tragically Hip, and she sounds very driven, passionate, artistic. I love it. Mm -hmm. At least I got to get a feel for her, which the people listening will get a feel for her also, which is good. Um, 
Yeah, so I'll tell you a bit about myself. I'm a forensic artist. I completed 230 law enforcement cold cases. So this is a bit different because it's a current case of a missing person. The ones that I've been working on are 30 years, 50 years they've been missing. And um, a missing person is a missing person. So I know it's mental torture for the family and for people who love the person who's gone missing. And it's really hard. So I thought if I came up with something else besides being a victim's advocate and doing all the forensic work, whether it's facial reconstructions on a skull or age progressions, I came up with, can I help find your missing loved one webs or podcast? And it's been going really well. I had some amazing people on and um, giving some really good tips for families of missing loved ones. So I hope, and then I interview a family once a week. So I have the police and the chief of police and, um, Criminal Minds producer and writer, Jim Clemente, DNA mm -hmm. specialist. So it's going to help, I believe. So I'm glad I have you on. So anything that could help, find your daughter, Holly, you know, I will try and do. And if you can um, talk about the circumstances, what happened and when was, I guess, the last time you've seen her? Okay, sure. Uh, one of the things about this case is that there's uh, just a lot of evidence supporting a whole bunch of different uh, scenarios. So I kind of have to go back to um, what preceded it a little bit. Okay. Uh, um, to give you a sense of, uh, of um, um, what might be possible and what's most likely. She was, uh, she moved to Hamilton to uh, be closer to somebody who she thought she had a potential romantic future with, who was the drummer in her band. Um, she uh, uh, had moved to Toronto to be with uh, uh, Randy, who had been the, uh, who ultimately became the guitar player in a new band. She uh, had left a really excellent band behind to move with him because she was in love with him and. They did a bunch of things, ended up in Toronto, hooked up with Andrew, uh, made some really wonderful music. It was, I think, ready to record. And unfortunately, the only recordings we have it or have of it are some, um, uh, some jam sessions that they did. Okay. But uh, it's very, very ready for, you know, production and play. And... And then Randy just became impossible to live with, I think, or Holly, or both of them. It's hard to say. They, they be, it became impossible for them to live together anymore. I think they both wanted to continue the band, but it's very hard to do in the context of. And how long were they together? Or a together? year, a little bit more than a year, year and a half maybe. And so then she was casting about for what was next. Andrew convinced her that uh, Hamilton was a good place to be. She moved here to Hamilton thinking that there was something that might be happening between her and Andrew, who was the drummer of the band, and, uh, and then uh, lived with him for a month, during which things were very awkward, moved out, found her own place, finally confronted him around Christmas, a little after Christmas, uh, about whether he was interested in her or not. And he was either not interested or unable to express anything or something. It's hard to tell. He's, he's, he's uh, 
not emotionally clear, I would say. And, uh, uh, and she became very sad for the last probably week that she was uh, uh, around and talking to us. We, that sounds like she's like depressed and suicidal, but that's not the case. She, she I would say not suicidal and uh, we, uh, he rejected her, but uh, she was sad and looking to move on and, and planning to record a new album of songs and material that she, she'd written. Um, we were talking to her every day, every day though, because we were concerned about her, but she was, um, uh, she was talking about her future and, and, and plans. And when directly asked if, if she was depressed or suicidal or anything like that, uh, she was saying, no, she was fine and she was moving on. Yeah, as a parent, you can mm -hmm. you might know, you could feel it. Yeah, but uh, that being said, uh, she wasn't entirely stable during this time and she was expressing some paranoid thoughts. Uh, and uh, for instance, um, her sister came to visit her, Kate came to visit her and offered her some food that she had and Holly wasn't sure she wanted it because she thought it might be poisoned, et cetera. So, and she knew that that was irrational at the time, but she was having these irrational paranoid thoughts. Um, the day before she left, her brother came to visit her. We had sent her brother and sister to go visit her because of some events that happened, which I'll tell you about later. Um, and, uh, and she, uh, had uh, uh, she, she was on the phone with us at the time and we asked if, if her brother was there and she said she thought he was. She didn't ever go to let him in. At least we think we were, it was us who was on the phone with her. Um, and, uh, and she said to us uh, later that she had thought that uh, she hadn't let him in because she thought someone else was using his voice. So it just, it sounds, it sounds paranoid to the extreme and insane. And, and at, at the moment, that's our hope is that, is that she's, uh, is that she's uh, completely uh, psychotic and, um, and uh, that, She's paranoid and hiding from people because, you know, you know, she's afraid and that she's still out there. Okay. But there's other, there's other evidence too. The day before she, she left, she talked about, uh, she talked to us about being uh, pursued or trying to escape from or avoid. We're not sure what the language actually was. Uh, two men, she talked about running through the woods all night to avoid these two men. And uh, uh, the people on the, the, the street who had seen her thought that she was, she was uh, using heavier drugs. Um, uh, 
we were directed time and time again to look at the Budget Inn, which is a, a place where um, where uh, a lot of prostitution and and drug sales happen, and uh, and where really it's it's a human trafficking site. Mm-hmm. At the time we were we investigated it, uh, there were a bunch of girls from Buffalo who had been trafficked up from New York, so they couldn't be near their support networks. Um, so uh, this having gotten to, we we assumed when we were on the phone with her that it was her mind that was challenged, but when we got to Hamilton, it was a place that was rife with crime. Mm. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that. The street uh, had a lot of uh, drug use and drug sales happening on it. There were extremely violent people living in the neighborhood. And it's possible that she could have actually had an issue with people like that. There's also some peculiarities in the house. Um, she, uh, uh, she apparently, uh, pulled down or removed some cameras that, uh, apparently were in the kitchen. We've heard this from a source that's only moderately reliable. Um, uh, and, and she removed those and the, the moments before she left, she tried to access the room that the camera server was in. So there may have been something incriminating or embarrassing on that, on, on the server that she was trying to remove. Or um, you know, God knows what. There there may have been there may have been nefarious involvement of her roommates in something. I don't know really. And, but but the, the the odd cooperation, the oddly spotty, sporadic cooperation of the roommates in in helping us figure out what was going on, the failure of the landlord to actually provide any video when he had cameras set up all over the place um, has made us very uh, concerned. And, you know, it, it, it elevates suspicion that, some, that all was not right in the house that she was uh, renting a room in. I wanted to say you're doing amazing with all the research from everything you're telling me, because I've dealt with so many families of missing loved ones. And what you're doing is, is everything you can do. And that's great. I love to hear when the family is out there and no stones unturned. That's how, you know, you will hopefully find her. So what, you're doing really good. Okay. So we have a, we traced, we ultimately traced the video. Uh, is there something that I've missed going over, Elle? Yeah, when she actually left. Okay, so when yeah. she actually left. Yes, I, th- I thought so. So um, we were contacted by uh, someone peripherally associated with the household um, uh, when uh, the, day, the day before Holly left because she had broken a window. She... Uh, she uh, came to the house, came back to the house after being away. She's, uh, she had missed, 
she was missing for all night, basically, from 6 o'clock. She was missing in, in our research from 6 o'clock to uh, 7 or 8 the next morning. When she came back to the house, broke a window, entered the house through the window, and, uh, and uh, then went to her went to her room and it was after that that we were contacted by the by the roommates she also called us <coughs> immediately after entering the house and asked if we would uh, get her a ticket home that she uh, it's a very heartbreaking uh, uh, message that she left which we didn't hear immediately unfortunately because my wife just called her back uh, but uh, you know, it uh, it sounds what like a, what did she say in the message? That she really, really loved us. That she wanted to get back to Calgary. That she wanted uh, us to get her a ticket back to Calgary. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it's a little odd because she did have a credit card that she could have just put all that stuff on. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we, uh, you know, it w wasn't an issue for us. We, we had been asking her to come home all week, you know, because she had been in Hamilton, you know, to be with this drummer and he had rejected her and, uh, and uh, uh, as far as we and she were concerned, there wasn't really any reason for her to be there anymore. Uh, so, um, uh, I got a call from I got a call from Tina Frias, I guess she calls herself, and uh, or Tina Curry. I'm not sure which one it is. She's called herself both when talking to me, and uh, uh, said that Holly had broken this window. Represented it as if there was no good reason that she could have broken the window, and just kind of mysterious that Holly was out of her mind and uh, but but that holly was being cared for there were other people there with a lot of anxiety and uh, issues and that holly was being taken care of by a friend and uh, i asked to speak to the friend and whatnot but uh it it turned out that it was just a roommate that holly barely knew mm. it turned out in you know in the future at the time at the time uh, she was represented as Holly's good friend who was taking care of her, was going to be there all night for her. And, and so we made plans to come out the next day uh, or come out as soon as we could. But we were under the impression that there was some care being given to Holly by a friend. And Holly had other friends in Toronto who could have come out to be with her. But anyway... Uh, uh, it turned out that, uh, that it was just a roommate who, uh, stayed with her until about midnight, came back and hung out with her, uh, early in the morning and then left at nine o'clock. And then Holly, uh, uh, ended up leaving at about one o'clock. She spoke to me just before she left. I, I called her and told her I was coming out 
coming to get her. And uh, I guess I did that after Tina had texted me and said, this isn't working out uh, that uh, um, she thought Holly needed her family here and that we needed to come get her. And so I, I texted, I called Holly, told her I was coming to get her. And uh, uh, for three or four minutes later, she was out the door and, uh, and gone. It was a, it was a three minute call and it happened at like one Oh six or something. She was gone at one eighteen. And that was what date? The it was a four minute call. Oh, sorry. 4 PM. Sorry. Oh, was, January uh, it was earlier in my time, but yeah. January the 11th. Yeah. 11. Okay. And, and she's how old again? She's 27. 27. Okay. Um, so what do the police think? The police thought that there was no foul play. They came to that conclusion after uh, about five days, I think, when we had our first meeting with them, they'd come to that conclusion. But uh, it's it's hard to imagine. We initially came we initially came uh, thinking that uh, she had run off in the rain, uh, extremely, you know extremely torrential rain and uh, and then it got cold a couple days later we initially came thinking that she was run off in a completely uh, panicked state of potential psychosis and we were uh, we were hunting for her in the places that we knew that she liked to go which are sort of the more rural areas of the city the rail trails and, and the wooded areas and those are the areas that we looked and unfortunately got colder and colder over the course of three days and we were concerned that she'd you know gone off in a in a panicked condition and had uh, died of exposure um but you know there has been no body found mm-hmm. and uh, she was also telling us about being pursued by people. Yeah. There's there's odd things happening at the house. There were really there's really odd sort of lack of cooperation. Yeah, I, someone knows something. Oh, and there. Uh, and then we found video uh, about two and a half weeks into our search. Uh, we found video of her taking care of herself. She, uh, uh, she made a rain poncho for herself out of a garbage bag. And then she found a bag of what looks like clothing, but we don't really know. We're assuming it's clothing. Um, and, and carried that for some time and then dropped it again for some reason. That so, was after she went missing? It was after she went missing. Uh, and, and so it gave us hope that she was at least uh, taking care of herself. So there, and then there are some other, some other oddities. Uh, we 
found video later, maybe from February 3rd, of someone who looks an awful lot like her, an awful lot like her, uh, walking along in the same vicinity of the area that she was last seen in on the cameras. So, uh, and we looked and looked for more of that, but didn't find, didn't find more of that. Um, there's a, there's an Instagram account that was made in her name, but we don't really have any confidence that that was her. There was some activity on a, oh, it's a, it's a whole set of, there's a whole another set of, uh, another rabbit hole to go down. She was in her, in her paranoia. She was making contact with somebody who she had been very hostile toward, toward previously and asking about asking questions that seemed to be, uh, information about, uh, people who know about squatting, you know, these free men on the land thing, this, this, this group of people who like to squat in people's houses and properties and find what is squatting. Sorry. I don't even know. They like to, they like to find houses that are not lived in and, and live in them. Okay. Um, they like to, uh, uh, they, they imagine themselves sort of taking from the man and, uh, and yeah. Freeman, just so you know, it's Freeman of the land are people that don't believe that the government should exist. Okay. Um, so they'll fake license plates and drive their vehicles uh, because they don't want to pay into the taxation. They'll move into a home and know the Landlord Tenancy Act um, and stay in that home for six months because they know that they can't be kicked out. Yeah, which is um, horrible. But yeah. yeah. Okay. When you need a sec, Dave, let yeah, me know, and I'll, sure. um, I'll go back and fill in some of the gaps on the timeline. Okay, go, ahead, go for it. Is that cool, Diana? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Okay. So a couple of the gaps to, to fill in there just so that um, you've got the timeline right is that on the Thursday, she disappeared in the evening until 8 o'clock in the morning. We have no record of where she was. 8 a.m., she breaks the window of her house, goes in. Uh, one of the roommates happens to be sleeping in that room. She goes in, says something along the lines of, I wouldn't lie to you. To another roommate. To another roommate. So she, we don't know what she was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And then she calls Greta, her mom, and leaves a voicemail. The voicemail you'll be able to find if you search for it. it we've released it publicly. Leaves Greta a voicemail, but Greta called her back right away, so she never actually listened to it. We didn't hear it until about a week and a half later. Okay. Um, leaves this heartbreaking voicemail for, for her. Greta calls back, and they have a conversation about the fact that she had been running through the woods from two men all night and that she was tired. So her sister, Kate, came out in the morning, Friday morning, spent the morning with her, went back to Toronto, and then her brother came out Friday night. Uh, Holly would not let the brother into her room, into her apartment. Police were called. Uh, they did not do a visual welfare check because she was not a danger to herself or to anybody else. The brother left that night later on uh, after trying to get everything that he could from her and trying to see her. He left, and then one of the roommates managed to go in and spend a couple hours with Holly and get her calmed down. 
Saturday morning, we know she did a bit of meditation with the same roommate. She was out and about um, behaving a little bit erratically throughout the morning. And then at 4.06 p.m., Dave called and said, hey, I'm going to come get you tomorrow. Uh, How is your car? Is your car working okay? And she kind of shrugged it off. Mm -hmm. Was she she happy um, to talk to you? And what was... She wasn't, uh, she wasn't upset to talk to me. She basically said, okay, or something like that. And it was a very brief conversation. Okay. Kind of mindless. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. No. Just, just, she just seemed distracted. Okay. Yeah. Better word. Yeah. So they have a conversation for two minutes. Dave hangs up. Holly um, moves around the house a little bit. She tries to get into the basement and, and couldn't. We think that's, that's, the server situation that Dave was talking about, that she might have been trying to get to the servers. Um, she ended up walking out the front door of the house at 4.18 p.m. The roommate specifically said she tried to get into the furnace room, which they called, yeah, they called it the furnace room repeatedly. Mm-hmm. They called it the furnace room. They asked us to imagine that she was in there trying to get bicycles, even though there were no bicycles there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a bunch of... Uh, it seemed like potential attempts to confuse us about what, what it was she was after there. Yeah. yeah. And I so, mean, the reality is we I don't, don't know. know. No, they, they may just not have had any idea why she was down there mm-hmm. and they're speculating, or they may have been trying to confuse us as to what it was. What does your gut tell you that they're hiding stuff? I, my gut tells me nothing at this time. I, I just don't know. You don't know. Okay. They, Tina and Avery, the two logically most suspicious roommates of the lot um, present themselves very well. Uh, So we had meetings with them and they seemed very sympathetic. Uh, But, you know, just the fact that there were cameras, I don't know if it's even a fact that there were cameras because we haven't actually been able to interview all the roommates. Mm -hmm. But if there were cameras in the kitchen and Holly tried to remove them, uh, and then Michael, the landlord, didn't actually give us any video footage or give the police any video footage, only four stills from the six or seven cameras that he had in the house. Um, it, it all adds up to something that's sort of logically suspicious over and above any sort of sense or gut feeling that I have from these people. And my gut feeling from these people is that they're they have nothing to do with it, but uh, that they're not telling us everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something, but, something's missing. Yeah, but I, I, I honestly, yeah, I honestly don't trust my gut at this point. So, yeah, fair. Yeah. The uh, so yeah, she walks out at four eighteen. Yeah. Takes off in the pouring rain, not dressed appropriately uh, for the weather. She's wearing all black, which is not something that Holly does. She's very floral and whimsical mm-hmm. in her choice of clothing. Um, so to be dressed in all black is very, very out of character. Uh, as Dave alluded to earlier, we found a number of pieces of footage about two and a half weeks later. So we were able to track the majority of her route that day. Mm-hmm. So she crosses into the park, takes a garbage bag out of a garbage can to create a, a rain jacket because it was pouring boots down the road. Uh, The next bit of footage that we have of her, she's now carrying a second garbage bag over her back. 
And then we catch her kind of making almost like a circle or a figure eight. She comes back around and eventually ditches the second bag, the one that's full of stuff. Mm -hmm. She didn't take anything with her. Nothing had changed. She picked it up and essentially dropped it back off about 20 minutes later. And then the last bit of footage from that day, uh, she's seen tying her hair back, still wearing the, the bag over her body. And then that's it. We've got, we've got nothing else. She, she vanished from there as far as we've got for footage. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's like my mind's going all over the place as I'm listening to both of you. And yeah, there's a huge question mark. Like someone always knows something out there and people have to come forward and something's going on. I don't know what I, I, I feel really, I'm so sorry she's missing. Mm-hmm. And I really hope um, she'll be found soon and, and, sh- and everything will be okay. Um, this will go out, you know, worldwide. And I did, I have a colleague at, um, I, a friend, he's a really good person, the Inspector Evans at the Hamilton Police Service. So I contacted him this morning and I said, I'll be interviewing you if there's anything. And he just said, if anyone believes they have seen Holly, they can call the police immediately so they can respond at the time of sighting as getting the information after the fact decreases their chances to locate her. And the Hamilton Police Service is like an incredible police service, so I'm glad they're involved. Yeah, I, I, would, I would echo that statement with that inspector as well. If you see Holly, call 911 immediately. It does warrant a 911 phone call. Yes. Um, waiting an hour or waiting two days or, or, or three weeks, uh, unfortunately, is, is not helpful. So if, if anybody does see her, Hamilton Police, the moment that a tip comes in, they, they roll out. They have been excellent with chasing leads and chasing footage at every phone call that comes through. So definitely, definitely do that. Yeah, and the Hamilton Police Service number, 905-546-4925. For someone who's afraid to call in a tip, they can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Again, 1-800-222-TIPS. And um, is there anything else you wanted to say about this? Just that uh, we really would like any any sign that she was alive, you know, because there is the possibility that she's not alive. So um, anything that people have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any any video or anything like that, we're offering a reward for it. Uh, I'm not going to specify the amount just because you know people can you know offer things of various value, but if somebody brings Holly to us or it leads us to them, they'll be amply rewarded. Um, yeah, because she was seen on video, there's a good chance she's still out there alive. If she could hear you right now, what would you want to say to her? I, I just want to say that we would just like to be contacted and just so that we know she's alive. Okay. And, um, okay. And, and there's also a Facebook page, Ellie? Yeah, there is. Uh, We have done a number of live feeds, uh, podcasts, YouTube videos. We've done virtually everything in our power to get the information out there. So anybody who's interested, there is a Facebook group. It's called Holly Clark Search. We've got all the information you could possibly possibly want and more. Uh, Dave and I have sat down a number of times and, and thrashed out all of the details in in as much order as we can so that we can hopefully obtain as much help from the public as possible. Great. Yeah. I wanted to say you're both doing an amazing job. Um, I did go on the Facebook page and I was looking in 
it, it's really good how you're so proactive and you're you're trying everything and that's it's really important when someone goes missing to do that right away it's once a case goes cold down the road it's really hard so right now you know i believe someone always knows something out there we just need someone to have the courage and come forward and um so thank you so much for being on my podcast can i help find your missing loved one dave i really hope um you'll you'll have your daughter soon and thank you ellie for everything you do and thank you everyone for listening until next time stay safe and best wishes again if anybody knows anything about holly clark please call the Hamilton Police Service at 905-546-4925 and let's find her and bring her home. Thank you. Thank you, Dave and Ellie. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One is created, produced, and hosted by Diana Trepkoff. Associate Producer and Sound Editing by Marty Brown. Please don't forget to call in any tips. Thank you.